0: Welcome to the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Lowry, founder of Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy and a Nutritional Therapy and MAP Method practitioner specializing in allergies and sensitivities, chronic fatigue, chronic pain, sleep issues and infertility. Join me for episode 37 where we talk with Debbie Leno, a MAP Method practitioner and nutrition health coach who's the founder of the Ageless Woman Movement. In this episode, we talk about her life story, her interest in health coaching, yoga, and neuroscience, and how she found the advanced neural retraining method known as the MAP method. Hear about her work with the MAP method for emotional eating patterns and weight loss. Listen until the end to hear how you can join her next eight-week emotional eating program. As always, we must disclaim that the information we share in the podcast is for educational purposes only. As MAP method practitioners, we do not diagnose or treat disease, and we recommend working with a qualified practitioner. Now, let's talk with Debbie.
1: Welcome, Debbie. I'm so happy to have you on the show. And I really wanted to, you know, I heard about the work that you've been doing, and I really wanted to share it with our audience here because I think it's really important that people understand all the possible applications for this advanced neural retraining method that we call the MAP method, right? So, welcome, Debbie. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you discovered MAP.
2: Well, first of all, thank you, Madeline. Thank you so much for inviting me here. I'm I'm happy to share where I have been and 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 all of what I know so far. And so, yes, the the MAP has been incredible. Um, to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I have six grown children. I have four grandsons. I, it wasn't always easy for me. I had an idyllic childhood, really. Um, My adult life wasn't as easy. Um, I found myself widowed at 53 and um, the situation was not a good one. And um, there were a lot of difficulties my children and I had had to overcome. My youngest was nine when all of that had happened. Um, And so my big aha moment in the area of health was, I thought that great health was all about eating the right things and exercise. And so which I had always been that way. I mean, I grew up on Whole Foods. never really thought about it because that was just our style of eating as a family. Um, always exercise, love to exercise. And when the eighties rolled around, I was all in it. I mean, I was doing the step exercises and all those, you know, all the things that were that were common at that time. And while raising the kids and always ate healthy and my big aha moment came was when I really started getting sick. And I, and I was like, why am i not feeling good you know I, I eat well i i exercise but at um what i didn't realize was the impact of emotions i didn't understand at that time mm-hmm. the physical impact that emotions um and stress would have on me and so my health started to decline and that was when i really started to pay attention to things when i found out that i was type 2 diabetic i had fibromyalgia i had a, advancing um osteoarthritis and my body wasn't feeling well and uh, so many different things falling asleep at the wheel because I was so exhausted all the time so which was scary by the way when you have kids in the car very scary um found out that I had burned out my adrenals and and all this stuff was really all boiled down to a lot of unmanaged stress and a lot of emotions that I didn't know how to manage so um they wanted me to put, they want to put me on medication. I said, no, I said, let me try to figure this out myself. I was at that point in my forties. Let me try to figure this out. And um, I did the research I needed to do. And and I got myself out of type two, been uh, normal sugar now for 25 years. So um, I avoided medication. I'm not saying everybody can do that, but I mean, fortunately it worked out well for me. Um, I just had dedication to, to doing that. And then I started to really connect the dots like, oh, it isn't just about food and exercise. There's more to the healthy picture. Um, And then the situation happened when he passed away and we found ourselves in a very difficult situation, the kids and I. Meanwhile, four were still in school at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh So um, uh, fast forwarding a couple of years, just to give you a little bit more, um, I didn't really pursue my passion And pursue my education until my late 50s and so that's the biggest thing I really want to share is that it does not matter what age you are it does not matter if you have passion and desire you could do it at any age at 59 I went back to school and I went um I certified through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and I was really um Oh, I studied under the, some of the most respected names in the industry, Deepak Chopra, Dr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Joel Furman, I mean, Dr. Um, Andrew Weil, I mean, some of the greatest that we know in the wellness field. And I was so intrigued and, and I found out that I, there was a lot more to know than what I thought I already knew. So I was really happy to do the program. And then I started health coaching and really felt gravitated towards towards women helping women helping them find their voice helping them you know get into alignment with their true health and what I discovered in doing that was that what was popping up all the time were they wanted to lose weight they wanted to feel better but they didn't really want to do the work and what really kept coming up was was life stuff life event stuff which I had been through but Um, limiting self-beliefs, not feeling like they had a voice and not having enough tools from my health coaching bag to really help them at a deeper level. So because I kept coming up in my practice, I said, okay, I need, I need to know more. I need to know more. Then I took up um, teaching yoga. That was my next step. Because I'm thinking, oh, go deep, go emotional, but my body could no longer do what I used to do in yoga. So I said, well, I'll just find a class that I really like. Well, there wasn't a class out there for my needs. So I created the class by becoming a teacher. And I became a teacher to teach the type of class I needed. Oh. And Yeah. And then I started learning more about the neuroscience of yoga and started integrating that into my practice. And then I found even that was great. The guided meditations were great. The neuroscience of slow, beautiful movement was great. I could access that parasympathetic nervous system and really create some change. But there was still another level I didn't have. And then one night I was scrolling through Instagram, which I never did at that time, just a couple of years ago, scrolling through and I found a um, um, a video by Colette Stryker, who is the, the gal who created the MAP process, the MAP method process. And I was like, oh, I like what she's saying. And this sounds like, this sounds like what I need. This sounds exactly like what I'm looking for. And um, it's kind of funny, even she laughs to this day. And and I knew, I knew based on the first conversation I had with her, that I wanted to be certified. I wanted to be a practitioner. Uh, That's what I wanted. I, I knew that my practice needed that extra something special. Um, and so I dove into MAP with all my heart, and now I integrate it into everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's amazing. That's quite a story, quite a journey. So you had already made significant changes in your health through your own learnings about nutrition, even before you got certified in nutrition.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: you got certified, you learned more, and you took, yeah. So uh, when you discovered MAP, did you? Did you uh, you know, where were you in your health journey? And do you think that the method has helped you with that more? Um,
2: in some areas, yes. In the areas that were still present for me, yes. Mm-hmm. And so really in the way that it helped me in terms of physical health was my level of body pain. Oh, from, the fibromyalgia. Yeah. from that, from the arthritis, that is just the degenerative disc disease, the osteoarthritis, you know, was really getting more prominent, more significant, um, did a lot of dietary changes to improve that, uh, took a great supplement that I no longer have any pains in my knees at all. But um, I, I still on a snowy wet day or a cold day, you know, my back will talk to me sometimes <laughs> or or whatever. Um, if I do too much, my body will talk to me if I if I uh, overexert myself. So what I really I learned before MAP, what I really learned how to do, I learned how to moderate my level of movement. Um, and there was some movement that was just not good for me that I always made me feel bad. So I stayed away from that. Like I, um, treadmill work, terrible for me. Elliptical, a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, a nice long walk, great. Riding my bike, awful. Mm. you know, because of my hands, my wrists, my back. So I learned by listening to my body, what makes you feel really good? What sets you up for more pain? I started listening to that. Mm. And so, but the things that are still remain when I came into MAP was still some, some body pain. Um, And, and I learned how to give my brain commands, Mm. you know, like just saying, this isn't necessary. You know, we don't, we don't, we, I say, we mind, body, soul, spirit, we can make um, a decision not to feel this pain. And I, and I always ask super conscious, what preceded this pain? Mm-hmm. What emotion preceded this pain? Is there a connection? Mm-hmm. Is there a connection that I need to pay attention to that preceded the pain that I'm having? And often there is, and then I'll work on that. So that's what MAP has taught me to do. Mm. MAP has taught me to take a pause, like yoga did also, but MAP took it to the different level. Mm. MAP takes it now into the brain and to really you know, go that way. Um, what are we feeling? Why is that feeling there? Okay, brain. <laughs> you know, and I would just proceed with commands to myself, and the pain goes away. And if it arrives again, then it, the conversation happens again. Okay, Brian, what are we thinking about this time?
1: Okay, wow, that's that's really interesting. So you mentioned superconscious there. So I just want to make sure that everyone understands the terminology, right? We, so we in the MAP method use the term superconscious really just to refer to the subconscious mind. It's the same thing. We've we've promoted it, we've given it an upgrade because we realize that the power of the subconscious mind, um, though it's most, most often ignored is actually quite great and it deserves to be uh recognized as being superior to our conscious mind in 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 every way. And so we call yes. it the superconscious, but that's just a semantic thing. So
2: yes. Yeah. Thank you for that explanation. Yeah. That was
1: perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we just want to make sure that people understand what we are talking about. Um, so yeah. So Thank you for explaining that. I think that is something that um, many people can relate to, right, the, the, the lingering pain that continues even after we feel like our health is pretty, is in a pretty good place, right? You had done so much and you had resolved so much, but there were these patterns of pain that continued, right? And And like you said, it is just a pattern It is like a learned habit, like the subconscious mind is is what I call a pattern mind, right? It's not a logical thinking mind, like our conscious mind, but with the subconscious mind, we, we, we form and we reinforce patterns. And so when you can realize what the triggers are for those patterns, like you said, there's an emotional trigger here. Like maybe you didn't feel the feeling prior to the pain starting, but it flashed through, right? And the subconscious mind knows its own programming. So we can say, subconscious mind, observe this, right? Observe this patterns. What, what triggered this feeling of pain? And can you neutralize that? So we can, so the MAP method allows us to work with our subconscious mind in really powerful ways, ways that we may not have thought were possible before. Absolutely become possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, again, for everyone to understand map, as you said, was created by Colette Stryker based on the work of Dr. Gary Flint. 15 or 20 years of his work as an experimental psychologist, she renamed his method he he did his work under a different name. But she she glommed onto his method, she changed it, she systemized it, she made it more widely applicable and she gave it the name MAP to stand for Make Anything Possible, which is uh, just a really lovely, like all doors are open, right? Make anything possible by working with the subconscious mind. Um, so yeah, I always I always love to go back and connect to that. To that that, that idea, you know, the whole philosophy behind the map method. It's very freeing, I guess. Um, and Oh, it it, is. Yeah.
2: It's like a breath of fresh air to know that there really are limitless possibilities. Once you get yourself out of the way.
1: Yes. Once you get those old unconscious habits out of the way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So So Debbie, once you learned this MAP method, how did you apply it in your practice? You said you you kind of use it for everything now. Can you talk about how that's maybe expanded your practice or changed it?
2: It has changed it to some degree because um, I, for some reason, I I just have experienced and I feel that that giving the directives or the directions to the subconscious mind um, is more powerful than just saying an intention or to say I'm letting it go, it just takes it to a whole different level. And I find me personally in the practice that I had before MAP, um, I found meditation so useful in um, getting to those places that we often don't go to, or that we're not willing to go to maybe to explore an emotion or a feeling or whatever. And so I have renamed my meditation practice and the practice that I offer others to meditation with a purpose. Mm -hmm. So it's, yes, there's lots of meditations out there for going to sleep and for, you know, uh, being in a really lovely, peaceful place or setting yourself for a positive day. But, um, what I started doing is really peeling back into my meditation scripts that some of, some of them have been created through bits and pieces of information I've learned along the way. And some of them are just new things that I'm learning that I'm weaving in. And I'm now weaving in map and throughout the the meditation so that it, um, it's not just um, intriguing to follow, but it's, but it's purposeful and that it, it, the intention is to heal and clear heal, maybe not being the appropriate word for, to be using, but neutralizing maybe is, is a better word. Um, I consider it healing because that's how I feel. I feel a healing when this takes place and inside mm-hmm. and inner healing is what I feel, mm-hmm. which, you know, we know that when the inside is in a healing process, the body takes on a healing process too. And that's what
1: I've personally experienced. And so what kinds of things do you specialize in in your practice these days?
2: Well, right now, the most exciting thing is developing the weight loss program. And I I really shouldn't even call it a weight loss program because I hate to bill it that way because the focus is not on per se losing weight, getting on the scales, following a diet, doing counting your calories and all of that. The result of the program is releasing weight. But the focus of the problem is really overcoming emotional eating patterns. Mm. So overcoming the emotions that drive you, because isn't it more pleasant to have chocolate than it is to sort out a feeling towards a loved one? Mm. Isn't it more pleasant to have a deep dish of lasagna than to work out a difficulty? I mean, for some people, maybe not everybody, but I found that I fit into that category. It was may, way more enjoyable to sit down and have a decadent meal than to work out an uncomfortable situation. Mm. You know, maybe I used food to avoid having conversations. I know I did. Not consciously.
1: Yeah.
2: Not consciously. But once I resolved some of those underlying um, hidden issues, I began to find new ways. To um, enjoy life rather than to just be eating. My goal or my thought was last summer is like, oh, if we just worked on emotions, would that result in weight loss? Was my original question to myself. And that's what's that's what fueled me into creating a program. I said, well, I'll do a trial and let's just see if it'll work, and if it will have a benefit.
1: Mm.
2: So I did a six-week trial, which wasn't really very long. Yeah. But a six-week trial was enough to know if I was giving too much material, not enough material, what the feedback was, how they were responding, what results were they going to have. So um, I never saw myself as my niche for working with this issue, but I could see that maybe coming in the future because it's it was And I'll explain to you more about the the results and how exciting that was. But my my niche truly was just to serve women, Mm -hmm. just to serve women in the area of limiting beliefs, Mm -hmm. um, self-doubt not enough confidence, not feeling like they had a voice. I was overpowered my whole life um, only because I had just a docile personality that couldn't speak up. So I had to learn. I had to learn new ways to express myself. I had to learn a lot of things Mm -hmm. that weren't coming natural to me. It wasn't coming natural to me to protect myself. It wasn't coming natural for me to stand up for myself. So I had to learn a lot of those things. So I use that in in my practice. It's mainly focusing on building self-confidence, building self-esteem, all those things that that could make a woman really excel and thrive in her in her life. Um, and the overcoming eating is just a fantastic thing that I stumbled on only out of sheer curiosity.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So tell tell me how you conceived of this six-week study trial. How did that, what is what was the format or how did people engage with that?
2: the engagement was, was good. But the the funny thing is, is that when I, when I promoted it as a, um and I didn't, I just couldn't think of any other, I just said weight loss, six week weight loss program, you know, um, not focusing on, on diet or, or exercise. I can't remember exactly how I, how I worded everything below it, but I mean, the heading was weight loss, weight loss uh, trial. And there was like, there was like, I don't know thirty requests, you know. (laughs) But um, once I got all these requests and all this interest, then I thought to myself, now who out of this thirty will be dedicated? Because I know from the health coaching practice that I had, people were only in it for so far and then they drop off because they just didn't want to do the work. They just couldn't find themselves being consistent, and it was just too difficult in their opinion to to change their lifestyle. They just didn't want to. So I thought I. Then I thought to myself, this is great, but what I really want are people that really want to do this, that are really going to show up once a week for themselves and for me, because all this was free and it was a lot of time and effort I put into developing it. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to know that the people that were signing up were going to be there for the six weeks. And so I created a fairly long intake form questionnaire, which Mine was long to begin with because I have to ask a lot of questions about your health before Mm -hmm. I embark on something like this. I also added in a lot of um, limiting beliefs, like out of these beliefs, which ones do you resonate with? So that I knew ahead of time what everybody's sore sore spots were. Mm -hmm. So based on the responses I got in the questionnaire that helped me develop the program and helped me deliver. um, um come up with the topics that were of most biggest importance in the group so i took the six top ones that were the most common that had the most attention and that's where i started in terms of the topics um and then what i did is i uh, my health coaching hat went on and i started out with um okay you're responsible for your Food choices and your lifestyle. This is what I recommend. These are these are one hundred percent something I would recommend to anybody. The this is this is a recommended lifestyle, like your water, your sleep, you know, things like. Not processed foods. Just a, a list of common sense things that everybody should clean up in their lifestyle and in their in their food choices. But I, I let them know at the beginning that 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 was on that was their responsibility. I was going to work with them on the emotions. I wanted them to take responsibility over their food, whether or not they were going to journal, whether or not they were going to count their waters, because I did not want to micromanage their daily habits. I wanted them to take ownership and feel that responsibility towards themselves.
1: Okay.
2: So, um, setting that all up front yeah. and I said, okay, now I've got 12 that are willing. I've got 12 that are here that are, that, are, that, you know, some of them had trouble showing up because of, um, kids or whatever. Uh, but most of them followed back up with me. So I had, uh, I had boiled it down to the people that were going to show up and that's really, I can't have, I can't have results from a trial with people who are not going to do it. Yes. I have to know that you're doing it for me to be able to know if there are results or not. Yeah. Because if you're not going to do the work, you're not going to have the results. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: But, uh, in terms of diet, so to speak, I gave them seven choices. These these are the top ones that are recommended. If you are the type that is structured and you need to follow a program because that's what you like. These are six great ones that I could recommend as a health coach. The number seven option was, I don't want to follow a program. I want to do what I'm doing. I just want to do it better. And I would appreciate some input from you. Mm -hmm. And so I gave them, I gave them that freedom to choose
1: Mm
2: -hmm. uh, what they wanted to do with that. Um, So that's, uh, that's, I did um, put together a, um, a video on sugar because I think that that's a really important topic to cover with people. So I I it was it was a good it, I was I was proud of it. It was a workshop I did about 4 years ago mm. and I just kind of updated a little bit and and um uh voiced over so I could walk them through it and um and I equipped them with that. And so I I equipped them ahead of time with some health coaching tools to help them on their 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 food journey. Everything else what I took ownership of is taking them through map and uh, and going through the emotions and the unmet needs and and all of those things there. So um, everybody lost weight. So in a six week period of time, they we met once a week for map. The session was two hours long, but it turned out to be everybody thought it was too long. So there are certain things that I cut out of the session for the one I'm I'm putting together an eight-week program now. Back then it was six weeks. Mm-hmm. So there's some things that I cut out of it and some things that I added, and I reduced the sessions down to 90 minutes, mm-hmm. which everybody said by 90 minutes they were done. So uh, I got it down to a manageable 90 minutes. And the, I mean, the, the exciting thing was is that everybody lost weight. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one particular client that I... I wasn't sure about um, uh, having her in the program because she had a, a classic eating disorder. Um, but I said, you know what? She's willing and I'm willing. And this is a trial. And let's see if it, if it helps her. If it helps her, it's wonderful. If not, she she probably won't follow up. But she did amazing. She did amazing. Yeah. She, that was my surprise was, wow. You know, I, I can help. I can truly. This will really this will really help a lot of people. In her first week, and this was the one that really, that really I was just so amazed by, in her first week after the first session, she lost a full shoe size. What? Yeah. Yes. And my interpretation of that is that she lost a whole bunch of unnecessary water enough so that the bloating was coming down. The, 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 you know, how water retention can, can blow up your feet and your ankles and everything else. She shrunk enough in one week that she was down a full shoe size. Wow. That was amazing. It blew my mind. Um, so everybody lost a little differently It really depends on how willing you are to change some of your dietary habits. Um, But the biggest change was in their mindset towards eating um, and paying more attention and being more aware, more acutely aware of why. Why? Am I bored? Am I lonely? Do I want love? You know, um, so they became more connected with what really was going, what motion they were really feeling. Rather than just, oh, it's just that I like that. Oh, it's just my habit. I just sit down and and watch TV with popcorn because, well, that's just my habit. That's just what I like to do. Mm -hmm. But you could be, I don't know, you could be crocheting while you're watching TV. You could be coloring or drawing. While I mean, there's a lot of things you could be doing. Um, So. (laughs) <laughs> so the, and the another big thing that came along was everybody had a, a significant improvement in their body image, which was, to me, was the most beautiful thing that came out of it for them. Regardless if they lost two pounds, four pounds, six pounds, 10 pounds, the fact that they were back in love with who they were and, their, and they could accept their body image and confidently you know, keep on their journey without self-sabotaging or feeling that no matter what I do, it doesn't help anyway, I'll just stop. Um, But having enough respect for their bodies and and coming back into an appreciation of their body was monumental.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. You know, Debbie, you mentioned in the beginning that you had them fill out an intake form with a list of, you had like listed limiting beliefs and and you said Mm -hmm. you picked like the top, the most prevalent ones. Could you just talk about what some of those limiting beliefs were? I'd love to hear like what, what hit the top.
2: Um, I'm trying to think of some of the ones that, that hit the top. Um, One of them was that um, feeling um, embarrassed or afraid to shine, like Mm -hmm. not feeling worthy. Like, Oh, if if I, if I, if I shine, you know, they're going to talk about me. They're going to judge me. They're going to blah, blah, blah. They're going to think I'm blah, blah, blah. So a lot of fear of judgment um, another one was, um, um, a way of protecting themselves mm. from relationships in life. Oh, wow. Another one was, um, just plain not feeling good enough. Yes. I'm trying to think. I do have a couple of those, um, limiting beliefs. I'll, uh, I'll share a couple more with you on the limiting beliefs because um, yeah, they're there. If, if you think about them, they're there. It's kind of odd when you're going down the list. Um, okay. One of them is I don't like my body. I don't like my body, mm. you know, and our body is our body. Yeah. So we have to learn how to come into full appreciation of that body and give it the best version that you can. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, some of them is, I I can't stand to look at myself in the mirror. I get a bad feeling. I don't, I don't like to look at myself in the mirror. Um, because it makes me feel disgusted with myself. Mm.
1: Okay.
2: Is another one. Um, and of course, well, this, oh, this one was a good one. Um, in fact, I, I developed one of the sessions around it. I have been hurt by the words of others. So, yeah, feeling, feeling emotional pain from the, from the unkind, hurtful words of others was another one.
1: Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I I think, and this is, this provides a lot of insight, I think, for people who are listening, you know, because on some level, maybe one of these beliefs really resonates with them. And that starts to, I don't know, inspire that, desire to be more self-aware and realize that this could be feeding into, you know, Mm -hmm. overeating patterns Mm -hmm. or yeah, patterns. The interesting
2: one that I hadn't really thought about was a way of patting themselves and protecting themselves and feeling like that safety net around them. Like, oh, I don't have to be really excellent, you know, because whatever you know, they're not going to choose me anyway, because I'm overweight. So I don't have to, I don't have to go out there in the world. I, I mean, there's lots of different things that you could be silently subconsciously thinking, um, things that you might not have really connected to or thought of, um, just that whole feeling of not being safe in the world and the padding kind of, kind of protects you subconsciously protects you from life. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And also, I guess maybe that's- that little feeling of, you know, you talked before about fear of judgment, right? And that fear of being rejected. And so if you reject yourself first, then you kind of protected yourself from anybody else doing it first, right? If you do it preemptively, then like, Somehow, you know, the subconscious mind may feel like this is this is a good strategy, you know, because I just reject myself before anybody else can. Right. So I don't I'm not disappointed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or how how about the gals who whose friendships are with like people, you know, and and they fear that if they change or if they lose weight, that their peers are going to go, well, she thinks she's all that. You know, or that fear of losing connection with some of your friendships, or they might be jealous or envious, or and you don't want to be that person who does that. You know, like um, there's so many different things that that one would really just not consciously think of. Uh, there's another one, um, the mentality about the gym crowd. <laughs> i you know, I hate that crowd. Why? I don't want to be one of them. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that one walking around in yoga pants and riding my bicycle and doing that trendy thing and like, ugh, I don't want to do that. You know, and these are things that we don't often think about, but but it's true for so many people. Like, oh no, I don't want to be one of those kind of people. So what I would say is, you don't have to be one of those kind of people. You could be exactly maybe that's the kind of thing you don't like, and that's okay. Do you like to dance? Do you like to skate? Do you like to walk? Do you like what do you like to do? What kind of movement do you enjoy? You know, forget about what's trendy, forget about, you know, putting labels. Really tap in and really feel like, well, what do you really like? What do you really want to do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And I love the idea that, you know, you're moving people more towards their authentic self. Right? Yes. Yes.
2: Yes. So, all all the way. Of
1: these, limiting beliefs you just mentioned are almost like reactions, right? Something happened to you at some point you had a reaction to it and now you're living out of this reaction, right? Your subconscious mind hasn't let it go. It's still there. It's, it's running you. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing about the map method. Don't you think that is so amazing is that we've never, I I feel like we've never really had a good way to interface with that subconscious mind and going on there and take that, that unconscious subconscious program. We didn't even realize was running and change it to a better yes. person, one that yes. serves us, right, mm-hmm. and enhances our life. And and so you know whether it's weight loss or any other arena of life, you know this is the potential that the MAP method has.
2: Or how about the kid, or how about the little girl who was never invited into the clubs, the little girl who was always rejected, the little girl who was always like um you know tried out for things and she always got passed up. So what is she going to think about herself in her adult life? Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not as good as the other girls. I'm not as good as the other competitors. I don't have what it takes. You might not be saying that to yourself, but you might be silently quietly and, and subconsciously remembering those experiences where you were horrified, embarrassed, you know, or whatever. And, you know, the subconscious sometimes seeks to protect itself, right. From those, those painful experiences. But, um, you know, because we didn't get invited in or accepted doesn't mean we weren't worthy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. As That's children, we is. don't realize that. It's like um, a, an unconsciously held coping strategy, right? We develop these coping strategies for things that have happened to us. And I, I like to explain to people that like in the subconscious mind, there is no sense of time. So people think, well, that what are you talking about? Like, Oh, this memory came up for me during the, when you gave that instruction, but it was like from when I was six years old and I, and I, and I try to explain to them, like your subconscious mind has no sense of time. There is no time to the subconscious mind and anything, anything that's ever happened to you in your life since conception can be acting on you in this moment, right? Yes. The, the thing that happened to you when you were four and the thing that happened to you yesterday, equally same Even feeling likely to be affecting you in this moment. Right. And so, yes, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like the big aha that I think people get when they start, when we start working with them with the map method and they start to see the connections that their mind has been making, uh, you know, wow. to, hear it to them. It's like, what? I thought I was over that. I never think about that anymore. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yes. you're talking about your conscious mind, but your subconscious mind, which is 90 to 95% of all brain activity is still stuck there. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about MAPS sessions and what they are like? Like, how do you, how do you do these um, two hour 90 minute sessions in your program?
2: Well, I like to start off with a grounding, just to get everybody kind of um, away from their busy day that they've had and to really drop into that space where they can become mindful. Uh, so, you know, also to, to just come into the awareness that the mind is like a playful puppy sometimes. It just wants to bounce around and jump and, 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 and that's okay too, and just to observe it. So I, I like to bring them into a place where they're accepted, where they feel safe and grounded and then we, I begin the MAP session and each one is different. I and mean, that's the beauty about MAP. Um, if they're coming in for a specific program, then that's what we focus on, such as the overeating.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, in which case I, I, I can do that either in a group setting or I could do it one-on-one. Or I have uh, clients that have been choosing the timeline clearing sessions. Mm-hmm. And so that's specific. That is going through your timeline from conception to present day. Mm-hmm. Um, or just a package of just sessions for whatever comes up, whatever's present for you at the moment we're having a session and that's what we'll, de- we'll decide to focus on. When they come into the session, um, based on what they, what type of package they've purchased, um, it's either an open session where they can start with whatever is on their mind or it'll be with a purpose such as timeline clearing mm-hmm. or overcoming emotional eating. And, um, and then it's just a series of mindful questions exploring what's there exploring what's coming up um people are always surprised with what comes up because it's like what does that mean i I got over that a long like you said i got over that a long time ago but why is it coming up and how is it related to what's present for you right now and that's the thing to to be curious about like oh that came up so but it's in the work, as you keep going, you discover where to connect those dots and how it all correlates. And so basically they go mindful, they see what's there. We go into the directives to the subconscious and then we check in. How are you feeling? How are you feeling now? Sometimes I get the clear feeling that there's still something there that they have mm-hmm. not integrated all of the directions, and that there's still mm-hmm. something that's keeping them stuck. In which mm-hmm. case, I'll go to a different procedure to help them with that. It could mm-hmm. be tapping, it could be chakras, it could be whatever, it could be a belief, it could be an emotion. And so, the process itself will guide me, or my intuition combined with guidance, you know, we'll see what it is, what is the most useful to explore. and and I'm always surprised with that because whatever comes up, it's always been helpful. And it usually always gets them to a place of peaceful completion with the topic and they're mm-hmm. ready to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the next thing until they, you know, time is up and, and I never cut a session off. just like, OK, we're done. It's it's always how are you feeling? And if they're peaceful and they feel complete and they're very neutralized, is now a good time to end your session especially if it's getting close to that time, yes, then we close down the session in an organized fashion. If there's, if, and I can usually tell, I'm sure you can too. You can sort of tell when someone's not quite finished. So you might want to do an extra procedure and check in again. And basically we just, we never leave a client in a situation where they're not feeling wonderful and peaceful and complete.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. And so, you do when you do these group sessions, like you did for the study, you do them over Zoom, uh, over video yeah. conference, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Did it on Zoom. Yeah. So yeah. people can join from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> right? You're on East Coast time, is that right? I am. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's very nice. I think one of the other nice things about the MAP methods, you know, you don't need to drive anywhere. You can get on a Zoom video conference. You can be from any time zone, as long as, you know, it, it works for you. And, you know, you can join a group session or have an individual session and it's 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 very, you know, it's, it's easy, it's it's very COVID friendly in terms of social distancing. Oh my goodness,
2: it's wonderful. I, I absolutely love it. Um, people ask me often, you know, has COVID really changed things for you? Well, yes or no, yes or no, basically not much. I love what I do over Zoom. I, it's, I've it's i never missed a beat, but I'm just one of those people. I mean, I know that there are, I have a lot of friends who really like the, the one-on-one in-person contact. And I'm not afraid to do that, by the way. I mean, I still am in contact with others. But this is so convenient for everybody being on Zoom. Um, they don't ever have to leave the comfort of their homes. They don't have to travel to make an appointment. You know, it's just so easy. And I don't feel any separation between the screen and the person next to me on screen. I I don't feel a separation at all. It's really, really very odd, but I feel very connected. Mm,
1: Yes. Right. Right. In fact, you have to feel connected to do what we do, right? Yes.
2: (laughs) Yes, (laughs) ma'am.
1: It is is so nice to be able to interact. You know, if we were one-on-one in a room, we'd have to be wearing double masks by now. (laughs) Right. And it's, so it is nice even though if this is a digital image, I mean, to, to experience the other person without, you know, without all that, um, covering up their face. So I don't know it. Yeah. I think, it yeah, is- I, I
2: don't hear well when people have their, for their face covered. Yeah. I don't, I don't hear the language as well. So yeah.
1: yeah, this is, this
2: is fits in beautifully. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Debbie, can you talk about, um, how people can find you to learn more about what you have to offer and your new, it sounds like you have a new, um, weight loss program. That's going to be eight weeks of -hmm. 90 minute sessions a week. Is that right? Group sessions a week. Okay. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So thank you for asking. Um, I am the founder and creator of the Ageless Woman Movement, and you can find me on Facebook, the Ageless Woman Movement. You can find me, Debbie Leno, um, my personal page, but, um, in my, I have three pages, my personal page, my Ageless Women movement and then i have a business page called debbie leno the well-being coach but probably i mean if you're female out there listening to this you're probably going to want to go on the Ageless Women movement there's a lot of activity in there and i do a lot of offerings and i do a lot of free guided meditations and things like that so and my um website is the Ageless Women movement
1: Okay. Perfect. And I will have the links in the show notes for anyone who wants to just click there. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for joining us, Debbie. And I've really thank enjoyed you. hearing about your work and this is really inspiring. It's really wonderful to hear that you, you know, that you have figured out the emotional eating, the impact of emotions on eating and overeating and, you know, that that people can avail themselves of your program.
2: Well, I was... I was one of those people. So, you know, sometimes you create what you need.
1: That's exactly right. right?
2: (laughs) So thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it.
1: You are so welcome.
0: Thanks for joining us for the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. Please listen again and remember to follow us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. To learn more about the MAP Coaching Institute, visit mapcoachinginstitute.com. To learn more about Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy or check out our podcast page, visit tcnutritionaltherapy.com. Until the next time, be well and flourish. Content of this podcast, copyright 2021, by Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy. Music by Barbara Ben